Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, March 31st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, in an attempt to address Mississippi's high incarceration rate, lawmakers send a parole reform bill to the governor. Then, how community health centers in the Delta are helping residents get vaccinated. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the state takes a step toward local alcohol delivery. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi lawmakers are sending legislation to the desk of Governor Tate Reeves that will make more inmates eligible for the possibility of parole. The Mississippi Earned Parole Eligibility Act reduces the time served to be considered for parole for certain convictions. Under the bill, nonviolent offenders would serve 25% or 10 years, whichever is less, before they'd be eligible for parole. Certain violent crimes like armed robberies and armed carjackings would require serving 60% of the sentence or 25 years, whichever is less, for parole consideration. Currently, the Mississippi Department of Corrections website states anyone convicted of these crimes after 1995 is not eligible for parole. Republican Senator Angela Hill of Picayune read a summary of the bill provided by an attorney. She claims language in this and other parole reform bills is muddled and is concerned violent criminals are already receiving illegitimate parole opportunities. These people were violent. They've been convicted of violent crimes. They're out. Okay, they're out. They're out some way. But the ones that I wrote letters for have been out on parole. Two separate murders, one in Marion County and one in Pearl River County, that I've had to write letters to the parole board that they were convicted of murder. So they are eligible for parole. So excuse me, but I'm just trying to figure out what's what. And I, and, and I get so many different answers, and that's why I'm so afraid to vote. I don't mind letting a nonviolent offender out. I don't think we ought to keep somebody locked up forever for a drug offense. If they're not hurting somebody driving under the influence, I don't care, okay? But all this stuff is mixed up, and you cannot tell what's what or what's doing what because you get a different answer from everybody you ask, and that, that's just my concern. Democratic Senator Juan Barnett of Heidelberg chairs the Corrections Committee and has been a longtime advocate for criminal justice reform. He insists sexual offenders, murderers, and traffickers are among crimes that don't qualify for parole. He also says it's sometimes necessary to consider the individual acts of a parolee more than the simple language of the conviction. Now, I know when people think of armed robbery, they think of somebody with the gun is robbing somebody for a lot, a lot of money or something else like that, but... I mean, but armed robbery could be, you know, you could actually 
put your hand in your coat pocket and make it appear that you have a gun and you rob somebody for $10 and you got a hundred years for that. You know, so that's a very big piece of legislation that, that this bill has in it. And also the look back piece for those individuals who's given those long, long drug sentences back in the early 90s, late 80s, you know. Um, and this goes back and fixes all of those things for the same thing that we are legalizing or we are attempting to legalize right now, which is marijuana. Uh, so we just have to we just have to make you know just going forward make sure that we don't try to keep people in a place for the same thing that we are trying to have as a freedom today. So, uh, it is that's where we are. I know this is something you've been working on for some time now. Um, what does this moment feel like to know that the Senate has passed it? It actually feels good to me uh, knowing that the Senate passed. As a matter of fact, we passed this one. Uh, with more votes than we did before. And so that lets me know that there's more and more people out there that, that, that share the same feelings I do, you know, is that when we are fourth, third or fourth in the nation in incarceration and the United States is like the second in the world in incarceration, that says a lot about Mississippi. Uh, I think this piece of legislation gives us an opportunity to not be last. And so I just hope that... that all of the other ones would, you know, would look at it like that. You know, at some point, when do we get tired of being last? When do we get tired of being talked about as that red state, as that red state? I would rather hear people talk about Mississippi versus refer to us as that red state. The vote this morning was not a red vote or a blue vote. It was a united vote. And I believe that Mississippi is a united state. You know, I think we've shown that when we changed our flag, we are committed to being a one people here in Mississippi. And when we pass legislation like the flag and what we're trying to do is show that hey, we can agree to do some good for this state, which will keep us from always being last. So that's, I'm just asking is that going forward is that the leadership realizes that at some point we have to stop being last and not let our decision be based upon politics or based upon politics or political parties, but based upon what's right in Mississippi. And Senator, there was some opposition on the floor. I do recall uh, Senator Hill raising questions about whether or not violence or, or, or those who have been convicted of violence. She was just misinformed crimes. on those mm -hmm. things. And then you see, there was some violence, but the thing that she was talking about, i.e. murderers and all of those things, is not even in the bill. So sometimes people can get the wrong information or, or misinformation, and that's exactly what's being given a lot of times. You know, when people, when people are truly... Uh, had the intent of not seeing good legislation passed, then they put bad news out there to scare the masses as to why this shouldn't happen. And that's what I think has been done in this instance. She it's just from bad information that was shared, um, uh, and that's what happened. She said she doesn't think the governor will sign this bill. Do you have well, any assurance? Or you I don't know if the will? governor will or will not, but like I said earlier, at the end of the day, I can go home and rest and sleep well knowing that I'd done that, that I was come to do. I put aside political party, I put aside politics, and I consider the people. And I think that's what we all should be here about. It's not for political gain, not for party gain, but doing the right thing for the people of the state of Mississippi. Senator Juan Barnett with our Ashley Norwood. Last year, Governor Reeves vetoed a criminal justice bill passed by the legislature. Senator Barnett says he's met with all stakeholders, including law enforcement officials and the corrections commissioner, who support the bill. Senator Angela Hill believes Reeves will veto this one as well. 
Coming up, how community health centers in the Delta are helping residents get vaccinated. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi is expected to receive 15,000 doses of the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine this week, and community health centers will be instrumental in vaccinating some of the most difficult-to-reach communities in the state. The Delta Health Center, based in Mount Bayou, is using drive-through coronavirus vaccine sites, as well as seven certified clinics to vaccinate Mississippians in five rural Delta counties. John Fairman, CEO at Delta Health Center, tells our Kobe Vance the center is now able to receive vaccines directly from the federal government. Now two things have happened. The, the state vaccinations or the vaccinations that come through the state um, has uh, been more consistent. And then as of this past Thursday, uh, we have been added by the President Biden's administration to receive direct shipments from the feds. And we've already been notified that we will get 500 Johnson and Johnson or the Janssen vaccines. What went into getting into that program? Was that difficult? No, a link came from the federal government. Um, initially, they selected 25 health centers from across the nation, and then they added another 200 or so, 250, I believe it was. And Delta Health Center was on that list, invited to participate, and we accepted the invitation. Uh, how are y'all planning to use those uh, those new vaccines? We have. Uh, 18 current locations in five counties, seven of them school-based clinics that are currently closed in Sunflower County because of the schools. Uh, We have been doing drive. uh, We have um, seven of our clinics so far um, through the um, Vaccine for Children's program through the state. So those seven locations have been administering vaccines um, that we receive from the state. Uh, I have two of my administrators, the medical director and the chief of staff, now looking at um, if there are any restrictions on the federal ones, and we don't believe that we have to um, sign them up for because they're enrolled in a vaccination site. So we've, we've been doing drive um Drive-through vaccinations last Thursday we did in excess of 200 in Cleveland. And at each one of our seven locations, we're also doing vaccinations, the seven that have been certified so far. So I wanted to ask, you know, when it comes to the individual vaccine types like uh, the Johnson & Johnson or the Moderna, and uh, I I believe somebody told me y'all are hoping to get the the Pfizer at some point, how are y'all using those differently or or, are y'all using those differently? We uh, the the Johnson and Johnson is a one dose vaccine. Uh, ironically enough, last Thursday, 143 people requested the J and J and and were they were administered, and uh, 82 opted for the Johnson and for the uh, Moderna. 
uh, we are not looking to receive the uh, Pfizer uh, because of the storage capa- uh, requirements on that one. Uh, we don't have a freezer that could um, hold them at that level. We we do hope to have an adequate supply of J&J just so that individuals coming through can opt to um, take one or the other. And as you know, the Johnson & Johnson is reported to be around 70% um, effective in terms of preventing you from getting COVID, but it's equally as pre- um, effective in the high 90s for um, uh, keeping you from getting very ill and or becoming hospitalized as the other two. Now, the way we do this is we have so far, we have, when we do the drive-through, we we have two huge drive-through tents. One of them will administer J&J and one will do Moderna just to not mix them up because J&J has five doses minimally in uh, a vial and Moderna has 10, though in either the five or the 10, you can get more out of them occasionally. That's how how we ended up with 143 J&J administered. It was out of a batch for 140. And so when it comes to, you know, deciding where to take um, the Johnson & Johnson or the Moderna, um, do you also... Do you see the the Johnson and Johnson as just being one vaccine as a as an advantage for harder to reach communities? I would say yes, but for us, I'm not sure that that would be as much of an issue. We would try our best to make both available everywhere we go, and um, uh, as equally so as the supply allows us to. Um, one thing I would also like to just offer is that there's much discussion about uh, African Americans being reluctant to take the vaccine. Of some 3,500 plus that we have administered so far, uh, 86% and in excess in excess of 86% have been African Americans. So we're not seeing the reluctance. I think in part because we have high credibility and high trust factor with the communities in which we serve. John Fairman, the CEO of the Delta Health Center in Mount Bayou, Mississippi. Uh, John, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thanks. Health officials say incoming shipments of Johnson & Johnson vaccines could go towards additional pop-up clinics across the state to engage hard-to-reach communities. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the state takes a step toward local alcohol delivery. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. 
Would you speak on the shingles vaccine? Shingles vaccine is to, of course, prevent uh, prevent shingles. If anybody's ever had shingles, they usually don't want it ever again. Uh, it is very painful, and it, so the effects can last months after you get over the initial bout of it. Shingles is the same virus that causes chicken pox. So all of us, like myself, who got chicken pox back when we were young, that virus hangs around in our nervous system. And if our immune system should get weakened for whatever reason or if we're under a lot of stress, then it can pop back out, and it pops back out in these sort of band-like patterns all over the body. It can be anywhere in the body, but a lot of times it'll be on the, the chest or the back. Uh, it can be extremely painful. So there there are two vaccinations. One that's been used since about 2005, 2006, and another since 2017. The one that's been most recently developed, that's the one that uh, is recommended now. So over uh, 55, you have to check with your insurance company, but a pharmacist can help you out on all those things, V. So uh, check with them about that. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi could soon join dozens of states in allowing for the home delivery of alcohol. House Bill 1135 would allow for licensed businesses to deliver beer, light wine, and light spirits to customers within a 30-mile radius. Under the legislation, those operating delivery services must obtain a permit from the state. Senator Josh Harkin says package stores and restaurants could also choose to enter agreements, enter into agreements with third parties to facilitate delivery service as long as the service obtains a permit and follows other regulatory measures. There may be businesses that will get uh, enter into agreements with local package stores and they'll have an app that based on your location, you can only uh, buy within a 30 mile radius. And so it may pull up three or four different package stores and it'll have all the selection that's available. You can pick what you want. They'll deliver it to you. They can't deliver it to a dry county. They, can, they have to follow local ordinances and rules and uh, laws, but you have to be 21 to sign for it. Uh, they have to have ID scanning software, so they make sure underage kids aren't um, purchasing it and, and uh, receiving it. So there are a lot of stipulations on uh, these entities that they have to abide by the laws that are out there. And they also uh, are subject to audit by ABC and local jurisdictions. The bill could benefit restaurants and local businesses like Queens Reward Meadery and Tupelo by allowing them to deliver alcohol directly to local customers. Owner Jerry Carter says most of her business comes through the on-site tasting room. She tells our Michael Guidry she's excited about how the bill could potentially allow her to serve her customer base in a different way. We're the only meadery in the state of Mississippi, and we make all of our wines with Mississippi honey. So um, only meadery in the whole world 
making all of our wine with Mississippi honey. So we're really proud of that. We um, opened our case. We've been around a little longer, but we officially opened our tasting room in May of 2018. So we're coming up on our third birthday. We make it here in Tupelo, so we have a tasting room where you can come in and sample the meads or buy by the glass or buy bottles to drink here or take with you. We have some mead slushies that are very popular and delicious. You've had that location uh, open since 2018. You have been attracting um, visitors, uh, and you also have an online business. The business side of things, uh, how much of it is generated through your online sales and versus how much of it is generated through personal visits to the meadery? Well, obviously, the majority of it is local, is what we're serving here. We also distribute our meads through the Mississippi ABC, so we're in liquor stores and some restaurants across the state. So we have some revenue coming in from that as well, and we can ship our bottles out of state to 40 different states that allow us to um, ship alcohol into their states. Um, that is a that percentage of our sales is growing each year, um, but it's still a minimal amount compared to what we're selling out of our tasting room and through the ABC. Now, the state legislature has passed House Bill 1135, which does open up more avenues for delivery of alcoholic beverages, uh, wines and spirits. How will the passing of that law, especially if it's signed by the governor, uh, how will that affect your business? Will it expand things? Uh, will it you know, provide you another avenue to generate revenue? Absolutely. Well, um, what the bill will do is it will allow us to deliver a sealed container of either a sealed bottle or a sealed cup, a glass of our product to an individual to their home. Um, only within a 30-mile radius. So I can't, like I'm in North Mississippi, I would not be able to send this to somebody on the coast, right? So it's only within a 30-mile radius. It has to be in a sealed container that has clear marking that it contains alcohol. And one of the things I thought this was very interesting that the legislature wrote into this bill is that there will be software required by the delivery person that um, allows them to scan and verify the idea of the recipient before they take the out for they're allowed to give them the alcohol which I think is a great addition to this bill it just it just protects everybody involved you're not going to be able to open up across the entire state but do you feel that 30 mile radius is going to give you an opportunity to at least provide maybe more regular service to people who can't make it to the metery on a regular basis I do I think it's a great opportunity um People, just due to COVID, we're, we've gotten spoiled. We've gotten used to ordering food and having it delivered to our houses because so many restaurants were closed and, and um, food places were closed during COVID. So we've kind of that's kind of become part of our lifestyle over the last year. Well, people may be able to order their favorite dinner, but they can't order their favorite alcoholic beverage to go with it. Um, so this will give them that opportunity to do. Um, I think it also is a positive um, one positive thing that comes from this is it, um, I think it's going to do a lot to eliminate a person's temptation to consume alcohol out, like even in our own tasting room, and then having to worry about driving home. I just think that's kind of a win-win for the business, for our business, as well as for the community as a whole. And, um... and it's also another revenue. It's another job. Now, if we do this, I need to hire a delivery person. Well, there's another person that I've just employed that may not have had a job before that. So, Would you like this to be a stepping stone to, to expanding even more? Would you like to one day be able to 
ship your mead and your product made with Mississippi honey um, to anyone in Mississippi who'd like it? I think that would be wonderful. Um, there are two sides to that coin, though, for Mississippi manufacturers. Um, I think there is a federal law in place that says if we allow local manufacturers to deliver across the state that we have to open that up to people outside of the state to deliver. So I think it'd be fabulous. We could ship our meats to anybody in the state, but that also means other alcohol is being shipped to individuals. So it kind of opens up the floodgates for all kind of stuff to come in. And I'm glad I don't have to be the one to regulate that. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) So uh, yes, there's a side of me that would love to see that, but I do see the other side of that argument as well. So um, it's kind of a hard one to answer. Does that make sense? It does. You mentioned the, the tasting room and how you people come in and you, you do a lot of business on-site at the tasting room. Uh, can you describe the tasting room experience a little bit? Sure. Well, when you come into the tasting room, um, you get the only alcohol that we sell here at the meadery is what we actually make here. So you can see where we make it. You can come in and do a tasting, which is where you get, it's kind of like a flight, where you get to try several different varieties, or you can... If you already know what your favorite is, you can buy it by the glass. You can buy it by the bottle and sit and enjoy it here at the taste room or take a bottle with you. We have a beautiful outdoor space where you can sit and enjoy. It's kind of like your favorite coffee shop, except you get to have some wine instead of coffee. (laughs) Well, Jerry Carter is the owner and queen bee of Queen's Reward Meadery in Tupelo. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. You are very welcome. Thank you for the invitation. The bill passed both the Mississippi House and Senate, but it's unclear if the governor will sign the bill into law. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.